0: What a joy it has been to preach through this letter of Ephesians. Truly a joy. So rich, so full. What God has done in and through us over these years is really sweet. God's Word is good. Um, It's a gift. I pray that we would cherish it, that you would lean in this morning hungry, ready, that we would grow. Sermon 74, Persistent in Prayer. Today we'll look at verse 18 through 20 of chapter 6. In verse 18, Paul finishes his exhortation to the saints, regarding spiritual warfare with a massive exclamation point for their need for ongoing prayer to God. Look with me at verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints." Essentially, Paul follows a very detailed emphasis on how we are at spiritual war and the important pieces of the armor of God that we are to wear with the point that if spiritual war is our reality in this time, why would we not walk with the Almighty God in regular prayer? Praying at all times in the Spirit. To begin to break this down, let's start with a simple but super important question. What is prayer? According to the Word of Truth Catechism, question 102, prayer is pouring out our hearts to God in praise, thanksgiving, confession of sin, and expressing our request to Him While submitting to his sovereign will. As born again Christians, our prayers are Trinitarian, meaning we pray to the Father, through the Son, and by the Holy Spirit. We don't pray to the Holy Spirit, we don't pray to Jesus. We pray to the Father by the Son through the Son by the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why we don't pray like other religions and there's a reason why we don't pray with other religions because there is only one true God. We do not pray to man-made gods, little g gods. We do not pray to Mary or any of the angels, or family members who have passed away. We pray to the Father, through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is communicating with God, the Father, through God the Son, by the power of God the Holy Spirit. One important clarity about prayer that I really want to help us with this morning is that prayer is less about getting God to do what you want and more about getting ourselves reoriented to doing what God wants and has for us. Prayer is acknowledging that God is the ultimate source and power and that we are utterly dependent on Him for all things. Let me say it again. Prayer is less about getting God to do what we want and more about joining God in what He's going to do. But I want you to slow and think about that because how contrasting is that to the way that we so often think about prayer? We think about prayer of this being this thing that we wield when we need something to happen. We want something to happen. And yet I believe that one of the true and biggest blessings of what prayer is meant to be is way more about us remembering, submitting to, connecting to, and trusting the Holy God and what He's about to do and joining Him in it. It's readying us. It's helping us. When you pray, why you pray is often much more about pleading with God to do something the way we hope it would go, right? I mean, if we're honest, a lot of it's that. But how we should be far more motivated to pray so that we are readied, ready to join God in what he's going to do or not do. I don't want to walk apart from God. I don't want to walk ahead of Him. I don't want want to be lagging behind. I want to be right in the middle of where God has us, where He wants me to be. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't ask for things. No, God wants us to bring all of our requests to Him in prayer. But prayer is our opportunity to recognize that God is in control. Submitting to that control is to ask for things with the understanding and the peace that the outcome is His to decide and ultimately what He decides is best for His glory and for our good. We need to remember that God's will is not always our will. When we pray for God's will to be done, we shouldn't be trying to manipulate God into rubber stamping what we've already decided should happen. Instead, we understand that God, who is over all things, has a much better view and plan for what should happen than we do. You, Christian, you have to remember how limited your scope is, your, your perspective. We don't hardly have a view over a bump on the earth, o- over a hill, over a six-foot fence. God sees so much further beyond what you see. He understands. He knows what's coming. He knows why. We don't. Why would I want to tell Him, you know, I've got the right play here. We're going to go here, this is going to, and then this, and... No. We need to be readied, freed, committed to joining Him. That if you know who your God is, you would never want your will over His will. You would never make that trade. His perspective and His purpose are better than ours. I once heard someone say, if God is in control of everything, then why pray? I say, if God is over all things, then why wouldn't I pray to Him? Why wouldn't I pray all the time that leads us back to what Paul is saying in the opening part of verse 18 praying at all times in the Spirit why is praying in the Spirit such an important emphasis here and the, and the answer is super important to get the answer we have to understand that because of our sinful rebellion of mankind Mankind is born of the seed of Adam, separated from the Holy God. And in our sin, we don't have a way to communicate directly with God. We're separated from Him. We have no true heart that longs for God, to spend time with God, and we to trust God. Faith is not at work because of our dead heart and sin. But in God's amazing grace... He sent God the Son to take on flesh, to take on our sin in His atoning sacrificial blood. Jesus did this to ultimately conquer death and give us a gift we cannot obtain through our own works, our salvation, our new birth. And in Christ alone, we are restored and reconciled to have eternal relationship with God. At salvation, then, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within every born-again Christian. This is so important to understand because the way we communicate with God is by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, at work within us. The Holy Spirit enables and empowers us to pray to God. Christian, if you're ever in that moment where you're just questioning, are my prayers even getting to Him? I would encourage you not to question the power and the ability of the Holy Spirit to deliver. Right? You are resting in, you are trusting in, abiding in the Holy Spirit to communicate with God through Christ the Mediator. So when Paul says, praying at all times in the Spirit... We understand that praying in the Spirit is praying by the power of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Sinclair Ferguson brings some important clarity when he says praying in the Spirit means relying on His power and wisdom, not on our own. This means submitting our mind, our thoughts, our will, and our desires to be influenced and mastered by God's Word. Thus, we begin to think God's thoughts after Him, develop instincts that are aligned to His will, and ask for those things that He has revealed please Him and that He promises to do. It is the expression of a life lived out in the presence of God. Prayer is the overflow of how we live in the presence of God in essence, prayer involves bringing God's promises back to him. In the context of all that he's told us about himself, his character, his will, and saying, Father, you are all that you have revealed yourself to be. You will keep all the promises you have made, and therefore I come back to you to ask for... End quote. Church, we must have true faith when we pray to God. Don't let prayer just become a absent-minded religious practice. If we do not believe in the one whom we are praying to, God the Father... Or we do not believe in the one whom we are praying through, the Mediator, Jesus Christ. Or we do not believe in the one by whom we are able to pray, the Holy Spirit. Then we are not praying at all. We are doing something else entirely. True prayer requires true faith in the triune God. The faith that is exercised in prayer is a faith or a trust in God that He will accomplish His perfect will every time. Do you believe that? Do you trust it? Do you have that much confidence in God when you pray? Christian, I want your prayer life to be emboldened Not because you are in some kind of great place, but because you have a big and mighty view of a great God. And you rest in Him. And that's why you go to Him and yield to Him and submit to Him. The author of Hebrews highlights Hebrews 4.16 Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God is ever present in all of our thoughts and life moments. And so I ask, why not pray about everything? I mean it is, it's kind of silly to know that God really knows me better than I know myself. Even those thoughts that you have, where you like throw a cloak over it and you call it something else, and you like convince yourself like that wasn't that, it was this. Yeah, he, he knows. He knows what's underneath the blanket. You know, he he knows. He knows, and yet somehow, for some reason, we we don't just intimately walk and talk with Him all the time. We must see who He is and what He is able to do. And when you have that view, it will invigorate your prayer life. Look with me, the third point of emphasis in this opening phrase, praying at all times in the Spirit. God's Word tells us Regularly to pray at all times. First Thessalonians 5.17 To pray without ceasing. Romans 12.12 12, To be constant in prayer. I know many Christians who would like to be more constant in prayer. I won't ask you to raise your hand. But they can't seem to figure out how to actually do it. It's just an idea. There it is, on the shelf. I think one of the reasons why many struggle to be constant in prayer is the way you're thinking about prayer. In that you're thinking too much just about prayer closet prayer. What is prayer closet prayer? It is a special and a specific time that you prioritize To get alone with God. And to turn off the distractions. To turn off the noise. And to just be still. And to be focused on God in prayer. Prayer closet prayer doesn't work if you bring your phone into the closet with you. It doesn't work if you're going to sit in front of the TV with the game on. It doesn't work in a room full of people. You've got to go find a place to be alone. When it's 120 outside, I, I know some people go to their bathroom and lay in the bathtub with no water. because the a place just to be still and quiet. It would be good for your family to realize that physically you're doing okay, but you're just in lots of prayer. But what does it look like? Jesus modeled it for us. This devotion to getting alone, just to be still before God. This is a wonderful and needed practice in the Christian life. It is a super needed practice. Because one of the best ways the enemy gets to us, gets a foothold, to keep us from maturing in faith, is to keep us busy. One of the biggest ways that we stay busy in our modern day is this thing. This, in all of its great benefits, might be one of the best tools of the enemy for the church today. We literally take it everywhere we go. Most of you, if you're honest, feel very vulnerable, very uncomfortable if you leave home without it like the world's going to fall apart. Why is that? Because we become addicted. Because we've become too dependent on being plugged in. Now as wonderful as this device is for productivity and communication with others, I'm not knocking it, I get a benefit from it all the time. It is this very ability to stay always plugged in and constantly productive that can especially hinder the importance of us to slow down and have quality prayer closet time with God. In marriage counseling, I've counseled many of you to get better at having dates where you don't have the phones out, right? You know, you're trying to, trying to see the relationship across the, the restaurant, and there's the couple, and they'll, they'll, they're all dressed nice. They, they, they had a big tab and they hardly said a word to each other they were like this the whole time. And, we just, and in all the ways that we see it happen, in all the ways we keep our, our kids busy or distracted, and, and we're just plugged in. So I ask you, Christian, what are you doing to literally schedule time alone where you have nothing able to pull you away? The rest of us are going to make it without you for a little while. where you unplug and you be still with God, where you read your Bible and you talk to Him in prayer. Now, a moment ago I mentioned that one of the reasons why I think many Christians have a hard time praying all the time, unceasingly, all the time prayer, is because for many our only view of prayer with God is a formal one. A one kind of way. This prayer closet kind of private, slow down, and formal way of prayer. But that's not the only way we are to pray. No, the other kind of prayer is what we are called to do by Paul in all these different moments in Scripture. And the difference is that it's not formal. You don't stop everything you're doing To dial God up, to speak in long winded formalities, to cover all the bases, and then to hang up and then. No, no. Unceasing prayer is prayer that's happening all the time. It's informal, it's walking and talking with God in a way that's literally unceasing. You enjoy His holy presence. And you are acknowledging Him. Think about it with me. What would your life look like if you really were in tune with the fact that God is always with you? And you were not guilty of compartmentalizing Him like we so often do. Every little step of the way, every thought you had, everything you looked at, everything you said, how much more would you honor Him live for Him, enjoy Him, feel so close to Him. The one thing is God is closer to us than we know how to fathom, and yet we are the ones who are all too busy or constantly just tuning Him out. Paul's point here is that we are to keep alert against the enemy, because I am plugged in to the champion, plugged into God. Because I'm praying all the time in the Spirit. And so the Lord is giving me gospel eyes, eternal eyes, for what is happening around me. While formal prayer is good, we must learn to pray more often and more along the way. I, one of the ways I've encouraged you with this in just little things is when you're talking with someone and you kind of do that, hey, I'm going to be praying for that. Can I, can I pray for that? I'll, I'll be praying for you. No, just stop right there and pray. Don't, don't say you're going to do it later. Bless them to pray right then. You're in the middle of a discussion. You're in the middle of a struggle. Just go to prayer. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for every person you gathered here today. For the work the Holy Spirit's doing in them right now. God, do your mighty work among us. And we're just praying. You're praying over, over your preaching pastor. Lord, keep him focused on your word. Keep him from being distracted. Move mightily, Holy Spirit, on the hearts of this room. Praying for those who are not yet with us, who will come, who will sit among me one day praying praying as you leave the church as you go out among the traffic praying as you as you interact with people to order your lunch praying as you're at home this afternoon praying as you're working and you're going through the the movement of the day talking and walking with god in constant prayer and so again to help you kind of break into it i want you to think about your prayer life For many of you, where your prayer life probably lives is in more formal moments or big moments. Formal moments are before a meal. There's a formality of a prayer. Or before bedtime, there's a formality of a prayer. Maybe before the big game, there's a formality of a prayer. That's probably meant more for those playing the game, but I know it applies to those of you sometimes watching the game, too. Before a big test. Before a big event in your life. A big appointment. Lots of prayer. Before travel, right? We pray before we travel. Or in emergencies. We're good at praying. When things get sticky... Those sticky spots, you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever wondered if God ordains many of your sticky spots simply so that you would pray to Him more? Just kind of seeing you just zombied out a little bit, out of tune with Him. So He just ordains some sticky spots for you. So you would tune back in. I think that's the mercy of God. Draw us back to Him. Think about what you have in the gospel. And that you have unhindered access to the living God. Think about the fact that the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-glorious God is fully focused on you and hears every word of prayer you say. Think about what He is able to do. Who God is. The access and relationship you have with Him because of Christ is why we pray all the time. Praying at all times is how we enjoy our reconciled relationship with God in this time. It's how we stay focused on Him. The words of the classic hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, are helpful to remind us here to bring everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged to take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Church, we should pray all the time because God is all-powerful. Amen? Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh, is anything too hard for me? Matthew 19:26 Jesus looked at them and said, "What with man this is impossible, with God all things are possible." Why would we not go to the one who holds all things in his hand, to trust him and to rest in him? Hey I'm always blessed most by our sermons, because I get to spend the most time with them. God's working on me way before He's working on all of you. And so it's been good just to find little ways to put this to work this week. As, as things are looking to not go the way I had hoped, to take it to the Lord in prayer, and just rest in Him, and just trust, God, you've got, you got a better plan. Ready me to be where you would have me. We should pray all the time because God is the source of peace, help, comfort, and healing. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Peter says, cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. 1 Peter 5.7 Oh, how we need to pray more than we do. Let us be a people who learn to pray all the time. Let's move to the next part of verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. The Greek word that Paul uses here for all is better translated all kinds. All kinds of prayer and supplication. What are the kinds of prayer we should pray? Our quick, helpful way to this is an acronym we've used for a while now. Uh, Scott recently taught on it at midweek. I'm going to give it to you in review again this morning. It is a great tool and a great reminder. And surely almost all of us, if not all of us, can always use some refinement in, in these areas. The word pray is your help for the kinds of prayer. P-R-A-Y. Praise, repent, ask, yield. The P is praise. Prayers of praise. When teaching the disciples how to pray, Jesus said, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Why do we pray? Because we want to praise God because you see God at work, because He's worthy to be praised, because He is set apart. That's what hallowed means. Holy, set apart, not common. High and lifted up be Your name. The first thing Jesus teaches us is, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. The first priority in the heart of Jesus is the height of the name of the Father. The glory of God. The set-apartness of God. Is Jesus set apart or higher than anything else in your heart? Praise prayer is talking to God with respect and honor. It's not about us and it's not about what we want from Him. It's about how great He is. We don't get in the way of true royalty or greatness. It is about Him. 1 Chronicles 29.11 Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and on earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Amen? This is the best way to begin to pray. And Christian, if you're ever looking for things to pray about, just start praising Him. Right? And that's an a never-ending stream. But we'll never run out of things to praise him for. Christian, we are to humbly approach his throne. In many ways, lost for words in his majesty and might. Recognize who he is. Recognize who you are in relationship to him. And praise Him. Almost all of the prayers or the writings of the Bible begin with some form of praise for God. This teaches us something. Psalm 66, 17, I cried to Him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. One way we praise God in prayer is by thanking Him, to be thankful, to be grateful. Prayers of thanksgiving express gratitude and thanks to God for what He has done, Or what He is doing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18. Pray without ceasing. Talked about that. Give thanks in all circumstances. Here's another way, Christian, for you to be praying all the time is to be thankful to God in everything you're going through. Not for everything, necessarily. But in it. He's at work. You are His. We have much to be thankful for. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. For me when I go to prayer I want to acknowledge God in His glory. What this does for me is it helps me to slow down and have a proper awe for Him so that I'm not the spoiled kid running into the room with my demands. That I would have in view who I'm talking to while at the same time feeling 100% invited into his presence to chat, to share, to cry, to be led by him in His all-powerful grip on everything. What greater gift can you and I be given than to sit in the presence of the Holy God and just consider Him and talk to Him and praise Him and trust Him? That's the P. The R stands for repent. When Christians sin, the sight of death and glory, we're still going to, We are to confess our sin and repent of it. Therefore, our repentant prayer should be a regular thing in our lives. Practically, this means when we sin, we go to God in repentant prayer. This includes two steps. You confess it, and then you turn from it. To confess it is to agree together with Him that it is what it is. I'm not making excuses for it anymore. I'm not calling it something else. This is sin. You call it sin. I'm calling it sin. I'm saying it out loud. I'm guilty of this. This is sin. That's confession. Confession isn't, yeah, maybe that wasn't good, but here's all the reasons why and blah, 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 and excuses. and No, no that's not confession. Confession is owning it. Calling it what it is. Agreeing with Him. There's no more excuse. There's no more mask. There's no more layers or lying. Confession, true confession, leads to repentance. What is repentance exactly? It is a word we use a lot in the church, but but do we get it? If confession is admitting, admittance, agreeing together with God that this is what really happened, then repentance is a new direction. Surrendering the current wrong path, the sinful path, for the path that honors God. Making a change. Sometimes we use the word repent, but all we're talking about is confession. It must include the change, for it to be repentance. In Jesus' parable about the prodigal son, Luke 15:17, it talks about the erred young son coming to his senses, came to his senses. That means the senses started working again. He gathered himself. That means the drunken stupor started to wear off. He stopped the the mad parade of sin that he was on and he turned unto a new direction. A God-honoring one. That's repentance. Gospel repentance is turning from self-sufficiency, self-reliance, self-confidence, self-righteousness, all the fears and insecurities that come with all that, and it turns to honor and depend in God alone. Repentance is how you remember who you really are in Christ. Child of living God, once an enslaved sinner who's been set free by grace to now live in righteousness. Let us not forget to be honest and open in confession with God and repentant in our prayers. Here's what I did. Thank you for your forgiveness. Here's what I'm going to do to honor you. And I do it. Pray. P-R-A-Y. Praise. Repent. The A is for ask. This is supplication. There's that big word. We saw it twice in our verse. Look at it with me again. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer, all kinds of prayer, and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. What's that word, supplication? It's asking for something in prayer. That's what it means, to ask for something in prayer. Jesus models this in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Those are his requests to the Father. That's what he's asking for. And so this brings up a great practical question. As Christians, what should we be asking for? And really, the answer is everything. Anything. You should be open to walk and talk with God. Philippians 4.6 Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Don't compartmentalize him. Keep him in the midst of it all, and let the Holy Spirit do its work. You might be thinking, "Wow, well, if I do, if I talk to him about everything, that's not gonna, you know." I, I. But that's the point. That's the point. Well, what you're doing there is you're seeing some sin. Let the Lord go to work on that. Not by stuffing it. By the way, remember, you're not keeping it from Him. But by bringing it into the light. By talking about it. By bringing it to Him. If all things exist from God and happen through God and are for God, why would we not engage Him in everything? Now the danger is where our heart... In our struggle against sin, wants to look to God in a self-minded way. One of the statements that's blessed me over the years—it's silly and but it's simple—is that we would bring to God our need and not our greed. But our struggle with sin can cause us often look at things that God has said or not for us and have a desire or cause us to want things God has made more than Him. It's too easy to start to treat Him in prayer like the rich grandpa in the sky, genie in a lamp. But but that's greed. That's sin. That's, that's almost a disregard for Him. But it, it's just about what I want. It's, it's like calling your rich uncle. You really don't care to talk to, you, but... You know if you ask, He's going to give you money. Like, What what kind of relationship is that? That we wouldn't treat God that way. While we should bring Him all of our requests so that they are before Him, so that they're brought into the light, we shouldn't turn our prayer life into just a big Christmas wish list. Let me ask you, do you trust God when you pray? Do you trust that He's going to hear you and He's going to answer you? It's important that you see that God is faithful, that He's present, that He hears you, and He will answer you. Now you need to remember that prayer is answered in God's time and in God's way. Not ours. A wonderful example of this is something we run into every Christmas. Luke 1, 13, the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zachariah, for God has heard your prayer, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. Outside of some context, that sounds pretty normal. They wanted to get pregnant. They, God gave them a baby. What you don't see there, without some further study, is that they were really, really old. They had been praying for this for a long, long long time church if God is not answering your prayers fast enough for you then you need to stop and remember and be okay with the fact that it's going to happen when God wants it to and that that's a good thing your timing is lame compared to his his way is always better And this leads us to the last kind of prayer we should practice. Praise, repent, ask, and yield. Prayers of surrender. Jesus models this in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. After we've praised Him, thanked Him, confessed Him, repented, asked Him for the things that we need in our lives, longings of our heart, we recognize that He is the one with the best perspective to the situation we're talking about. And so I want to yield to Him. If you're struggling with the idea of this, then blindfold yourself, sit in the back seat, and tell the driver who's driving you to do everything you tell them to do. And see how that goes. no no if you're smart you'll say your eyes are open you drive jesus says your will be done prayer is our opportunity to recognize or remember that god is in control our submitting to that control means we trust the outcome of what we asked for to him And what I really want in the end, more than even what I asked for, is His will to be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Stop and think with that for me for a moment. Think about what Jesus is thinking about when He says, Your kingdom come in Christ. We are residents of God's eternal heavenly kingdom. We live for a new king. What this means is we make decisions and have now kingdom desires. We have eternal eyes for things, not just temporary eyes. And this helps us learn how to pray in new ways for eternal things more than temporary things. So that whatever you're in the middle of, you have eternal eyes for it, not just temporary eyes. So I'm in the fifth, Sixth, seventh year of my mom's complete physical and mental demise. Years. Hardly can recognize her anymore. I'm not turning to God going, you better change this because I want the temporary fixed. I want this to be done. Make her suffering Stop no faith goes to work and I continue to trust that God's not wasting one day of her life he's at work in an eternal way that I don't see or understand And so I walk by faith and joy and I'm not I'm not knocked down I'm not stuck in the corner I'm not giving in or giving up what is that for you Christian what is that that you're in the middle of is your faith going to work to yield it Truly to God. Your will be done. Jesus modeled that for us in the garden. We just spoke about it earlier. Sweating drops of blood. He did not want, his flesh did not want to be mocked, beaten, have his flesh torn from his body to suffer a slow death on a criminal's cross. But rather than demanding his way, he prayed. Father, If you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. There's the request, and then there's the yielding. Habakkuk does the same thing in chapter 3, verse 2. O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord. Do I fear? God told him what he's about to do, and every part of Habakkuk's flesh goes, this is going to be terrible. And rightly so. God said, I'm going to raise up your enemy against you and the death of your people is going to be way greater than it's been. You're coming to me with complaints. Buckle up. It's about to get way worse. That's essentially what God told Habakkuk. He goes on. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. This is Habakkuk's way of saying, while my flesh doesn't like it, my face says, do your work, God. For you are God. And in the middle of your will is where I want to be by faith. Even if it scares me, God, do your work. What a tremendous example of yielding prayer. He's not praying selfishly. He's not praying bias in favor of his flesh or his people he's praying singularly that god's perfect will and work would come to fulfillment he yields it to him and remember much of your prayer life is much less about god doing what you want him to do and it's way more about you joining him in it and that's why your yielding prayer is so critical that you truly genuinely want his will more than what you just laid at his feet you're saying lord help me get my arms around what you're going to do. I think in praying unceasingly, and praying regularly, what we're really doing is moving from a sinful place where we've got this thing we're focused on, we're kind of looking at God going, God, I really want this thing to turn out the way I want it to. And then over time, as we continue to pray, continue to yield, we we set it down and and use some anthropomorphic language here. Uh, we, We kind of climb up alongside god and we begin to see it the way he's going to get after it and we're comforted in his presence and we are ready for him to do his perfect work and i'm with him that's what your prayer life brings you a readiness to join him in what he's going to do so i just say christian don't not be ready don't be guilty of that atrocious sin where you might shake your fist at God and say, how dare you? No, no, Lord. What a great sin that is. For he is perfect and holy in all of his ways. Like Habakkuk and Jesus' examples, do you truly want what God wants? If so, will you practice yielding prayer? P-R-A-Y, praise, repent, ask, yield. Great kinds of prayer to increase our regular prayer life. Look with me at the next part. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Paul calls for the saints to keep alert with all perseverance in prayer. This surely brings us back to Jesus' words when he says, Be on guard, keep awake, and Mark 13 or in Mark 14, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. There's an alertness that we should have in our prayer life. How does unceasing, persevering prayer keep us alert? Watch this. Christ is building his church in enemy occupied territory. The good news is that Christ gets all he wants. But this doesn't mean we get to let our guard down and then walk blindly. We need to be alert. We need to be walking with God every minute of the day. Struggling with that? How about this? You wouldn't walk through a minefield haphazardly. If you did, you'd just be in pieces. So, no, we must be aware of the spiritual battle that is all around all the time and be alert in prayer. Are you alert? Are you praying over your family? Praying over what God's doing in your days? Are you praying as you drive to church on Sundays? Or are you just so used to Western California America? When's the last time you prayed? The enemy keep his distance from the gathering of the saints this morning. Prayed at the reality of the of a world that's not going to work the way we want it to. A system that's not going to work the justice we want it to. Recognizing war is all around. We must be persevering in prayer perseverance here that word that he uses here is a resolute determination to see something through to its conclusion keep praying christian to the end philippians 3 13 through 14 brothers i do not consider that i have made it on my own but one thing i do is forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead I pressed on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Church, may we be alert to the spiritual warfare all around us as we practice constant prayer so that we finish the race and win the prize that Christ has secured for us. Finally, quickly, see the finish of verse 18. making supplication for all the saints. Why does Paul emphasize that we are to pray for one another? For all the saints. We need to pray for one another because we're at war. Prayer is a wartime weapon. We wouldn't attempt to fight without it. Ephesians six ten through 18 Be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, taking up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We're not just called to suit up, church, and sit around. We are called to suit up and to pray at all times, to keep alert by praying. Church, are you praying for all the saints? are you praying for one another jesus models this for his brothers knowing the war that they're in luke twenty-two, thirty-one. 31 simon simon behold satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat but i have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and when you have turned again strengthen your brothers we need to pray for one another so our faith endures and it grows, church. Remember Paul's words in Ephesians three sixteen through 19 According to the riches of His glory, that He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, Paul's praying this for his brothers and sisters, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, being rooted and grounded in love, that you have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. All Christians know Christ loves them, or they would not have saving faith. But not all Christians are actively being transformed day by day in their inner being. This is why we need to be praying for each other. It's one thing to have a bank account. It's another thing to draw on that bank account. Are we praying for a deepening, a sanctification, a protection, a work to be done in our brothers and sisters? In your prayers for yourselves and for one another, are you asking for a deepening, a maturity, We also need to pray for one another as an active way of loving and fighting for one another. This leads to where Paul goes next in verse 19 through 20. And I thought I was going to get through that text today, but I'm not. (laughs) So we return next week to pick it up. Today, verse 18, what a blessing. Amen? Let us pray. Father, we thank you we thank you for the gift of prayer. We thank you for the opportunity to draw near. And yet, too often, we just throw it away. We, we take this sweet gift and we set it down and we get busy with, with other stuff. Oh God, I pray that we would tune in to you walking with you talking with you trusting you surrendering to you confessing our sin turning from it praising you oh god we we're desperate for you and so lord help us to pray at all times in the spirit I believe if we will be doers and not hearers only today, if, if just in, in even some ratio of portion, this congregation takes this to heart and to work, you will change this church, you will transform, you will send, you will do a work. And so we just, Lord, do that work in us. Don't leave us where we walk through these doors. Take us to a new place. Grow us. Just as we read Paul praying for that deepening of the saints. Do that in us. Do that in those you put within our reach. For your glory and for others good. Oh God, we are desperate for you in all things. And we are here for you. Let us walk with you in persistent prayer. Thank you for hearing us now. Hear us as we worship you in the United Song and prepare to go. In Jesus' name we pray.